What is up, internets? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, the podcast where we try to expand the conversation surrounding self-defense. I'm your host, Randy King, owner of 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. This week, we talked to my friend, Dane Halo. Dane is a international model, and she goes over all the dangers and scams and things that she looks for as a person who is traveling to different countries and working with different people and moving through the space as a woman. She talks about trusting your guts, things that people should look out for in the photography space, how photographers should be interacting with their clients, common scams, also creepy questions that pop up that she's experienced. And last but not least, we cover a little bit about stalking and how she avoids that from happening. So if you are interested in safety and self-defense for photography and modeling, this is the show for you. We also attached a blog that Dane consulted on that goes over a whole bunch of safety surrounding photography. In the bonus section of the show, only on Patreon, Dane tells us a crazy story about when she was almost abducted in France. That was terrifying and something that I think a lot of people should listen to. And of course, if you, your organization, or your company are looking for more information when it comes to proactive self-defense that is education-driven, I'm available for workshops, seminars, and keynote speeches for your group. Now let's get to the show. All right, everybody, let's welcome to the show, Dane Halo. Dane, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and being on the show. Oh, gosh, it is absolutely my pleasure to be here and speaking with you, Randy. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been a model for 15 years professionally, and I don't know, I've had a whole lot of different experiences as, um, as a model going around the world, and I feel like self-defense would have been very useful in my previous experiences and certainly going forward which is how you and i connected actually right is, uh, i i run a small class on how to get into the modeling industry and how to stay safe and how to run a profitable business in that space and i thought it would be very helpful actually to have someone on who could speak on the self-defense aspect of it because it is so important. So yeah, I've, I've been modeling for 15 years. I'm also a photographer and a graphic designer, but I also frequently work in male dominant spaces as I have training in heavy machinery operation and a couple of other weird little dalliances that I went on <laughs> just to get some weird training. Yeah, that's kind of me in a long-winded nutshell. <laughs> That's awesome. As you mentioned, we connected through our mutual friend, the the world epically known Phenomenal. Renee Robin, and yes. the, the greatest Renee. A funny funny story. I met Renee at a rave, and we've been friends ever <laughs> since. Like, so I think this is why this is important because as social media gets bigger, as TikTok and all these things blow up, I, a lot more people are models now. And I'm gonna I don't want to use yes. air quotes, but but they are, and just the level of predation that can exist in that space because Absolutely. predators go where the prey is, right? So yeah. I always say like, not every person who's a scout master is a, a creep, but if you're a creep and want access to children over a weekend, like you apply to be a scout master, right? Right. 
So this is kind of the same thing in this space where, you know, like everybody with a camera thinks they're a photographer and everybody with a, you know, everybody who's attractive thinks they're a model. And right. there's plenty of places for people who are naive to get taken advantage of. So I want to get into that with you. But first, I want to know what your definition of self-defense is. I suppose um, self-defense to me is sort of taking countermeasures to ensure like a personal safety against someone like an assailant, but that's about it. Like whatever it takes to stay alive and preferably unharmed is self-defense in my mind. Which makes total sense. And that's, it's kind of one of the reasons why we're doing this. Cause I know you follow my work. We follow each other on like the socials and stuff. My field is proactive self-defense, right? So before things go bad. And I think that's where we're going to be spending most of the time here, because if you don't know what to look for, it's going to mm-hmm. be very hard to, to see when bad things are happening. But when you learn what normal looks like, it's very easy to see abnormal. Right. So the question I want to ask is like, what is something like, what is the one major thing? If you only had a sentence or a couple sentences to tell new models coming up, what would be the most important thing for personal safety they should know? Trust your instincts. Right. They exist for a reason. There's a book that I, I absolutely love called The Gift of Fear right. by Gavin, Gavin De Becker, I think it is. De Becker, oh. yep, that's correct. Oh, sweet. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Excellent, way to go, brain. It's a fabulous book that kind of talks about the instinct of noticing when something just feels off and you don't know why. And it's uh, just your brain picking up on small, little, intricate details that are off and are, are setting off your danger like the flashing beacon in your head that says danger. You may not pick up on it immediately, but it's there for a reason. So trust your instincts. That's awesome. How did you get access to DeBecker's book? How'd you hear about it? I couldn't tell you. Uh, I think it just came up in a discussion with a bunch of models a bunch of years ago. And I have bought so many books. Actually, I've bought a lot of them to give away to people because I- And now I will be very upfront. I have ADHD and have a very hard time with kind of staying on task. And so I haven't made it all the way through that book, but even just like, maybe, I don't know if I've made it like a third of the way or halfway, I can immediately see there's so much value in it. So I need to pick it up and read, but yeah. Well, as somebody with ADHD as well, as (laughs) everybody knows I have it. Right. Um, (laughs) Honestly, like, this is kind of a hot take, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Debecker's going to sue me after this. The first half of the book is gold. The second half of the book is kind of him just saying how cool he is. So, oh, perfect. So I think you've already read the important parts, in my, in my opinion. Read the whole book, everybody. I'm just saying. Right. If you go and get through half, that's probably the lion's share of what you're going to get. Then the rest the is him just half. Like reinforcing. Right. Right. So, Good to know. Yeah, there you go. So... <laughs> What do you feel are like the biggest challenges for safety and self-defense in your space? What do you feel are like the biggest red flags or the biggest issues that need to be addressed when it comes to up and coming people who are going to get in this space? Oh my gosh, there are so many, so many. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I were to speak with a new model and we are talking about, you know, uh, bypassing naivete mm. in this space and looking out for the red flags. It would honestly be work with someone who has a foundation, has a good portfolio, has a number of different models, but a style that's fairly cohesive. So, you know, you're not just picking someone who has stolen photos off the internet and compiled a portfolio on Instagram from Which stolen is an issue? images. 
That's it's a huge issue. issue. Really? It's a huge issue. Yeah, people will steal images from other photographers and will pass it off as their own. And I have a little story about that, actually. Okay. Uh, I have a very good friend in Edmonton who is a absolutely phenomenal, talented individual. And he and I have worked together many times, enough that I'm actually the photo on his homepage. Right. It's my butt. Um, <laughs> and... I had someone contact me saying, hi, I'd really like to work with you. My name is this person's name. And I was like, oh, I know you. We've worked together a million times. And he says, oh, you know, my wife and I, we just moved to California. And I'm like, I know that photographer is at the end of a relationship. So all of this is bullshit. (laughs) So I was like, why don't you just give me a call? And he did. And he, you know, was playing up this person. And I was like, so how is your ex-wife? And he goes, ex-wife. I'm like, yeah, I know the person that you're pretending to be. And he was like, oh, that happened to me 15 years into my career. Wow. I can only imagine what someone would pull with someone who is at the very beginning of their career. And especially if they're traveling, like if you're traveling to another province or another country, what about if you're going to Australia where you know nobody and you have no safety net? That's terrifying that someone can play themselves up as like a celebrity photographer and you put all of your trust in them. Meanwhile, you end up in someone's basement, right? Right. Well, and this is like, so when we're talking about proactive self-defense, right? having a safety net is so important, right? So like predators select people with weak boundaries and weak communities. So right. not to get too dark, but the child that gets selected for stuff isn't the one whose parents are like dotiful and like paying attention all the time. Right. They they don't like, they don't have that sense of community because that's going to scare away that kind of predation. So I love that you brought up safety net because that's going to be the move. Number one, that whether it's domestic abuse or predation, that's the move. Number one, right. Remove family and friends, make them seem like they're, you're the only person they can trust. That's kind of the move. I think a lot of this too, because ADHD brain wants to go on a tangent (laughs) is do you remember your first big modeling gig and how excited you were and how probably being risk adverse got dropped to the bottom of the priority list because you thought maybe you made it? Absolutely. I mean, so many times, even the first time that I ever posed nude, actually, I was, I believe I was either, I was 18 or I had just turned 19. And now I went to school for fine art. So there was a lot of nudity involved in studying Greek paintings and Italian masters and such. Lots of nudity wasn't a concern. So when I went in there, being nude was not really too much of a worry for me. However, I could feel like the tension in myself whenever the artist got closer to me because he was painting my portrait rather than taking a photo. And I kind of like held on to that and was like, I had to sit with it and think about like what that was and what that was really kind of telling me. And then soon after that, I got a really big gig and the, the photographer in that instance actually was getting far closer to me. And I was like, oh, it's a professional set. It's no big deal. Right. And when I got home, I was like, wait, the first one was a friend and I was like a heightened kind of um, a sense of like, it wasn't necessarily fear, but it was, this doesn't feel right. And then I'm surrounded by a bunch of people and this photographer is in there and he's touching my hair and moving my limbs around. And I was feeling like, oh, this must be okay. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I've been modeling my whole life. I started as a toddler actually. And now that I was freelancing and wasn't agency represented, I know that 
all of my reputation comes from me and all of the work comes from me. So I have that even heightened sense of, I have to make people happy. And that people pleasing thing is very feminine. And it's something that we really have to maybe, maybe let go of a little bit, pull back a little bit and think about our own boundaries. Right. And I think boundaries again are super important. So we talked earlier, we mentioned earlier about understanding what's normal. So you identify what's abnormal to me, it would seem as a person who nobody has ever asked to take my picture, unless they're like, thumbs up, I'm at a seminar. <laughs> the photographer moving you seems like that would be a normal thing. Is that normal or is that abnormal? That's very, I mean, it's, this is the unfortunate bit. Right. It's normal, but it shouldn't be. Ah. You know, someone yeah. will come up and they will move your hair to test your boundaries. Someone will then come up and touch a shoulder to like test your boundaries. And then they'll be touching your knees and then they'll be touching your hips. Or someone might just be like, ah, she's a professional. I can just go right to touching her hips. No one needs to touch me. I can touch, I can move my own hips. Yeah, you're you know? a pro- yeah. I'm a whole ass human body. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not broken. I can move my own hair. Right. And I think this is a problem with like the more naive models who are starting out their careers. They don't recognize that that's not appropriate. Right. That's not professional. That is behavior that all of the professional models do not allow. Like it's on my contract. Don't touch me. If you come within, if I can kick you, you're three feet too close. (laughs) So stay away. (laughs) I really like this uh, actually through COVID, a little tangent through COVID when I was allowed to model because it was illegal for a period of time, funny enough, I was really enjoying that everyone had to stay six feet away because it was like, this feels good. You don't need to be closer than that. Like we are just collaborating on images. There's no reason you need to be like within my space. Zoom lenses exist, right? Like, uh, (laughs) and I I said the same thing actually, because I teach boundaries and physical stuff. And I said like COVID, the best thing that came out of COVID was people learning what physical distance should look like. Right. It sounds like there might be a movement and in switching kind of like the professionalism with photographers. Do you feel there is a a gender bias? And why I ask that is because like, So for example, I'm constantly in a battle for losing weight and gaining weight. That's just the Randy lifestyle. So sometimes I'm thin, sometimes I'm not. And more often not. But when when I'm looking at it, like I hired a trainer a couple of years ago and I sent progress pictures to the trainer and I thought literally nothing of it. But Mm -hmm. now there's a movement in the industry of saying like male trainers shouldn't ask for females progress pictures. They're unnecessary. And honestly, like, and this happens to me all the time in this space. And that's why I'm always trying to learn more is it feels like once the wool is pulled from over my eyes, I'm like, oh, I get it. There's like still more wool. Do you find that like female photographers are much more aware of this than maybe male photographers? Is it becoming more a standard practice? Is it becoming less personal? I know that's a lot of questions, but answer any of those. It's very funny because I ponder this all the time, all the time. And I still haven't found a way to really explain it properly without my brain going like, oh, tangents in every direction. So I'll, I'll try. I will do mm. my best. I And please, photographers, I adore you all. Please don't come for me. This is a generalized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am painting everyone, male and female, uh, even though I've worked with some who are non-binary. I'm just going to go on this for simplicity. (laughs) And also these generalized brushes do not apply to everyone. I find that female photographers tend to be a little more artistically minded 
and more creative and spending less time worrying about me and my posing because they trust that I know how to be feminine. And the male photographers often have a fairly specific look that they're going for and want to train me into that version of femininity. Interesting. So whether it be glamour, which is a little more kind of like sexy or, you know, glamorous kind of thing, whereas female photographers are kind of just like, do your thing. I know you know what you're doing. So when it comes to a male photographer saying, you know what, I have a very specific look I'm going for. Can you send me some photos of yourself wearing lingerie? I don't think that's necessary because mm. I have a whole portfolio full of those images. Right. Right. Now, of course, as you're saying, you know, bodies change. And I understand that a photographer might be looking for something very specific and we all have fluctuations in weight and body shape. So it is something that I understand there being a need for, but I, I still don't think that uh, it should be a norm. And I'm glad that it's not <laughs> because well, there are people who are not ever going to be comfortable show, like sharing photos of themselves in lingerie or a bathing suit or something. Especially for the potential for a job, not even the job, right? Like exactly. that's just, that just feels like, like sex thing with no relationship. It's a little weird. Right. And I think to even reinforce it, you have, like you said, you have a portfolio. There's, there's no right. lack mm -hmm. of pictures of you on the internet. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. You've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> You've been doing 15 years. Of course, of, of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? Right. So I would assume that they could just maybe, I don't know, Google you or whatever, and they could find what they could see. I'm sure mm -hmm. like what they're looking for. So sometimes actually models will receive messages from, I'm using air quotes, photographers right. saying, we have a job for you. We're going to travel across the ocean with a huge team full of people and designer gowns. You're going to wear the best shoes and have the best makeup artists and the celebrity photographer, and you'll be paid $10,000 for two hours of your time. Right. And any model who doesn't know what that, what like, a phishing scam looks like is going to be like, hell yeah. What do you need for me? Do you need like, do you need hair samples? Like, what do you need? <laughs> I'm in, I'll give you my DNA. No problem. And then, you know, they end up in these scams where it's, it's like a check scam. They will send you a check and tell you, oh, you have to pay the stylist from your income. And then it, you know, it's like Amazingly, five hundred dollars or something from a ten thousand five hundred dollar check—no big deal—and then the check bounces, but you've already sent the money on. And this happens all the time. I, I swear, in the modeling groups that I'm a part of, it's almost daily that someone will be like, "Can someone look at this email?" So I wonder how many people are actually falling for it. And if it's—and if that's a money thing, think of all the selfies that are being sent with the promise of big jobs. Right. I can only imagine. Yeah, because I would say even you said 15 years, even 15 years ago, images weren't as accessible as they are now. You couldn't just oh, no. snap a picture and whip it off. And like, it's it's insane. So I would assume for the con artists as well, it's easier to create these fake profiles. Right, exactly. It's so simple. It's a couple of minutes. So you said that it's very common for this to happen. You said you're seeing it all the time in these groups. What else is super common? Like what else would people, should people look out for? Like what are the, what are the Nigerian princes of this, <laughs> of this industry? You know what I mean? Like what are the common ones that probably to you seem like, well, duh, but to, I have a daughter, right? She's, I don't think modeling is the direction she's going, but if she did, like, what should she know going forward? Oh my gosh. Always have Big your question. backup. 
It's a big question, but yeah. there are there are so many things. This is why I have a weekend long course because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many answers and it goes so deep. It's this sounds terrible, but usually a professional photographer will have a solid grasp on English and grammar, sentence structure, etc. So if you have someone who is misspelling everything and doesn't punctuate sentences properly, that's someone to look out for. We have a lot of those phishing scams and things will have really messed up, italicized words that shouldn't be italicized. And it's just, it's very strange. That's one of those things like Gavin DeBecker's book says like, if something seems off and you can't put your finger on what it is, be, be a little bit incredulous, do a little bit more research. Right. And if you have a big opportunity from a known brand like Adidas, for instance, Adidas was part of a big scam recently. It wasn't them. It was right. someone pretending to be them and trying to hire all these models for that aforementioned check scam. If you have any concerns, contact Adidas find someone and be like, I received this email and I, maybe you feel a little silly. Say that, say, I feel a little silly. I just wanted to check for my own personal safety. And if they get back to you and say, oh yeah, that's us. Cool. You've made another connection. And if it's not them, now you've potentially saved yourself from entering a building and leaving as a sex trafficked victim. As a general rule, if you're doing due diligence and they try to shoot down due diligence, that's yes. a red flag, right? Like yep. they're professionals. They expect professional behavior. If you're acting professional, like, oh, we don't do that here at Adidas, you vote. Are you, are you sure? Right. right? Like, I don't, yep. I don't know. On the other side of the fence. So I, you said that people spoof um, photographers. Yep. I also see a, almost, I, almost every week, I have a friend being like, this is a fake profile. This isn't me. Don't follow me. I, I'm sure that's happened to you. What is the purpose of that? And what should people do if that happens? It's from my understanding, and I've only had this happen to me as the, I wouldn't call it necessarily a victim. I wasn't really a victim because it was three photos in and I was like, that's not me. Right. And I had the, <laughs> the profile removed. But my understanding of this is that it is to drive traffic to pay sites, whether it be pornographic right. or it could be OnlyFans or something like that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then, and they are just assuming that you're going to be ADHD to be like, oh, here's a redhead. And then now you're forwarded to a pay site <laughs> to a, for like a blonde. And it's just like, oh, well, this is fine too. Ladies die their hair all the time. <laughs> all the time. Or it could just be malware or, yes. I mean, the people who come up with these scams and develop the technology are very smart. They're very insidious yeah. and they get their, they get their tentacles into everything. Right. So it's, a, a, yeah, it's just a matter of kind of keeping on your toes and doing your due diligence, as you mentioned earlier. Renee Robin has an amazing article on safety for photographers, and I will link it in here. I know this is not Renee Robin, but it's a very good and poignant thing. That is a very comprehensive article. I don't know if you've read it, but there's a bunch of things that she mentioned that people should be aware of when they're in the space. Like, you know, you should be allowed to bring friends if you need to. What are some things that, again, because proactive self-defense is so important, it's much harder to deal with something when it's already happening than preventing it from happening. What are some like creep level questions or like things that would like give you the icks because like somebody asked it. Like, so my wife, she has done some modeling 
some of the there's some of the creep questions that pop seem pretty common. So I don't know if there's like a couple you could share with us that people could look out for. Sure. So actually, that article that you mentioned, if it's what I'm thinking about, Renee mm-hmm. and I, uh, Renee actually asked me to consult on it somewhat. Oh, so awesome. So I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm actually mentioned in that. She Perfect. had me speak on it at the workshop in Newfoundland last year. So. Yeah, I read, I I led a a short little workshop on it. But as far as the ick questions, I don't know if this is necessarily ick, but I take it upon myself to educate Mm -hmm. whenever I get the chance. And I feel like that might be a little bit of a dick move sometimes, but if it has to be done, it has to be done. So (laughs) I will take one for the team. Often someone will ask, what is my weight? And I will say that's really not related to anything because if I were... A bodybuilder, I would be very heavy. Right. And if I were like heavier than I am and not a bodybuilder, I would still weigh less than the bodybuilder because fat right. weighs less than muscle. So it doesn't relate to anything. The mm. shape of your body is not defined by your weight. So I usually tell people to cut that out because that's a bit of a creep question right. in my mind. You're you're modeling scales, in which case then you know you might want to have a <laughs> Exactly. If it's a visual medium, because also like height makes a difference. My sister is five foot 11. My wife is five foot one. They have different weights. Like even if they have the exact same body shape. So that is a good one because yeah, I don't. Mm -hmm. So what I'm picking up from what you're saying is look for the questions that are pretty much unnecessary. Like learn to critically think about what actually is needed. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think sometimes photographers will say, I'm going to buy some lingerie. So I'm going to need all of your measurements and all of that. Well, who are their connections? Is there any way that you can deal directly with the lingerie store? Maybe the lingerie that you're buying from whatever brand it might be, maybe they should be sized up or maybe, you know, they have something a little bit finicky. Maybe it's coming from Asia or Europe and their sizing is different. It's better to like work directly with whomever you can and cut out the, the middle man and the telephone, the game of telephone in the middle. Right. If you can do that. If you can do that, that makes sense. And I would assume, so as a busy professional, if I hired someone, they're like, oh, I'll take care of the measurement. I'd be like, yes, thank you. Please do that. Right. So I don't have to worry about that. So the red flag would be if they tried to maintain control of that when there's no purpose for the control. Yes. And actually bringing up that control, uh, I have another kind of, not really a tangent, it's fully involved in this, <laughs> but when it comes to travel, If someone asks you, can I get your passport information? Can I get a photo of your driver's license or something of that sort? And this happens all the time. This happens at probably one quarter of photo shoots. Someone will say, I need your ID for this U.S. law of uh, it's having to do with the filming of pornography, but I'm not doing pornography. I'm not doing anything that is especially erotic. So there's no need for this. It doesn't apply. And this person is trying to find kind of a a way to snake their way into having all of my personal information. Right. So no one knows my real name. And that is by design because I have had stalkers. That's something that every model immediately should do. Is it an alias? Yeah. An alias or, you know, quote unquote stage name. So important to have right from the beginning. But 
anyway, I digress. When you're traveling as a model, you want to maintain control of your flights. Right. Don't let anyone buy your flight for you. Buy, have them, you know, send a photo of what it's going to cost. And then if your agreement is that they will pay for your flight, they can pay you directly. Mm-hmm. And then for the money that they have sent you, you can then buy your flights from that. Right. You don't want someone else paying for it because then if you find yourself in a bad situation and you need to leave earlier, whether it be, you know, somebody at home is is sick and you need to get home fast. If a photographer says, well, no, you're here for a contract of a week and we're only on day two. If you don't necessarily have the money, then you might be stuck in right. wherever you may be. You want to have control always. It's your safety. That That makes so much sense. And just to like, reinforce that point is I travel all the time. People pay for my flights, but I always do control the flight because again, right? Something could happen, et cetera. And I've never been asked that question, but again, there's some differences, right? Again, the people aren't, it's a different situation. If you wouldn't ask it of one group of people, why would you ask it of another group of people? That doesn't make a ton of sense. Let's talk about stalking a little bit. So this is a lot of... A lot of my work involves that kind of stuff because I'm on the proactive side of things, right? And one of the biggest issues with social media that I think people don't understand is in order to create a good brand, you want people to get to know you personally. So you want to share your life, share your story, et cetera. And then people build a relationship with you that you don't know exists. Exactly. And then they treat you like you're in a relationship, but you don't know who this person is. And so- I can't even imagine, like this happens to me. I can't even, not to the stock level, but to like where I've heard all your shows or they'll tell me a story. I'm like, how do you know that? And like you said that right. once. I was like, oh yeah. So number one, step one is of course, like you said, right? Have that stage name, have your alias, have a, a, a different name so they can't find you personally, obviously. Mm-hmm. Any other avoidance tips? Because the, it's a it's a razor thin wire, uh, it's like a tightrope in between getting big on social media and, but also like trying to mitigate the danger. Right. Oh gosh. Well, one funny thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The mitigation is, is really tough. So where I live, I bought a house a couple of years ago outside of Toronto. And when I was first walking, I walk my dog in my neighborhood quite frequently. And I noticed that there was a vehicle on the next street over. I could If I threw a baseball and I don't have a very good hand, (laughs) I could hit this house with the baseball. I noticed that there was a decal on their window of their photography. And I went to it and just just like, oh, my neighbor's a photographer. And I was just like, oh, okay, their work isn't really like a lot of models. So I'm not going to bother them, basically. And at this point, I was, you know, showing photos of the work I was doing in my garden and the front of my house and everything else. And I really wasn't thinking anything of it. Fast forward to uh, about a year ago, I received a message from this person being like, oh, I love your work. I would love to work with you. Can we go for coffee sometime? And as a rule, I don't go on like dates, whether it be for photography or not. It's very infrequently actually results in a booking. So it's just going up for coffee for free. And I don't, I don't have time. Uh, I would love <laughs> to, but fair. I don't have time. And so I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if he's seen me walk past his house. Right. Like I'm going past his house all the time with my dog and it's not a big deal. But now I'm wondering, does he know where I live? Cause I've shown pictures at the front of my house. Does he know what my dog looks like? Does he know what my husband looks like? Is he aware? 
that I live where I do? And if he is, what are his intentions? Is this a guy who's totally like, oh yeah, no problem. Or is this a guy who's like, I want to look in your windows, you know? Right. And that's, that's really creepy. The technical term we use in the industry, the, the, the big speak is open source information gathering. I talk a lot about this and yeah. there is a, a, you probably heard there was a pop star in Korea that was tracked through her social oh. media and the stalker found out where she lived just because of where she was posting, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. And if you've seen the documentary, I highly recommend it. It's called Don't Fuck With Cats. They find out who did it by like the vacuum cleaner they bought. It's insane what these people found out. Like if you watch wow. the whole thing, yeah, they like found out the brand of the vacuum and like it's only sold in these places. And they like pinpointed this person. Anyways, that's one of the things. So do you try to now after that, I don't want to say scare, but after that aha moment, do you try to vary like where you're doing stuff? Do you try to like for your social media, you try to like go place, don't tag yourself, that kind of stuff? Or is it still kind of just business as usual? I'm definitely more aware of posting things that can be tracked. Right. I don't show the front of my house anymore. I recently posted a video of my dog wearing mittens, uh, little rubber <laughs> <laughs> mittens so she wouldn't hurt her feet on the salt on the sidewalk. And I made sure to crop that down so you couldn't see the cars in the background or anything like that. That could be kind of tracked to where I live. So that was good. A kind of like an aha moment. And I made some big changes. But I also, actually, this springtime, there's a very big account that I follow. Uh, she's hysterical. She lives in a city not too far from me. And she did this video down by the street. And she lives on a very busy street. Right. And in the background, there was a mall. And the mall had a bunch of, you know, like a, it was like a water store where they mm -hmm. fill bottles and a couple of other things that were pretty directly findable and uh -huh. like not, not located at every mall. So I was like, I wonder how easy it would be in 10 minutes. I had her address. Wow. And I've almost it's... wanted to message her and be like, I'm not a stalker, but if I were, what? I would know where you live. <laughs> That's... And it was like, Ooh, I don't like that. And I want to let her know, but I also don't want to be a creep. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a fine, that's a fine, especially like, so I do kind of the same thing. I did this on TikTok. I have a TikTok channel with my daughter called right. Defense Talks mm -hmm. with Dad, where she asks questions and I answer them. And it's like a fun little thing we do together. Cool. And yeah, I like it. Um, and so anyways, I saw this lady, she was doing like this around the world dance. It was like a big thing, but she like, I guarantee she posted like, Hey, not trying to be a creep, but do you live here in a rest? How'd you know? I'm like, okay, I'll put up a video. So, you know, I'm not like a psycho, right? right. But mm -hmm. just the open source is so important. There's so much we could talk about on this. We're almost out of time. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. It was so quick. I know. <laughs> so quick. The plan. So just so everybody knows the plan was at one point in time, me and uh, Dane, were going to collaborate. I was going to go to her conference and do some self-defense stuff, but COVID. Right. So right. Mm -hmm. everything went crazy. Thank you so much for your time. So what happens next, everyone, is we go to Patreon. So patreon.com slash Randy King live, where we do extra content for everything. Extra content for this show. The extra content is called The One Up which is your best story you tell to be the coolest person at the table. So that's going to be behind the paywall for $5 US, seven bucks Canadian. I'm sorry, Patreon works. They just switched to Canadian now. So we have that there, but also it has access to all my other podcast content. So all the old podcasts, if you missed those, all the debates, et cetera, et cetera. I have what's coming up for Randy, European tour, September. I'm all over five countries, check it out, 10 seminars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dane, tell people about you. What can they do to help you? I also have a Patreon. If you want to see more of my content, I have lots of tiers starting at $1. Oh, cool. uh, so 
super affordable. The $5 one is a really good one. The 10 is where you see all the professional photos and 13 is where you see my photography. So you can access that patreon.com slash Dane Halo. And if you want to just follow me on socials, the red bomb underscore model on Instagram, Dane Halo on Twitter, and you can find the workshop that I run where we talk about modeling curves ahead workshop on Instagram curves ahead workshop on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, we've been tagging each other back and forth. So hopefully people are already following you. Not that you need the help, please. Your followers <laughs> come over here. I have eight you have like 60,000 or something like that. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It makes, it makes sense. I get it, but come on people. Oh, just, just until my Instagram gets deleted. So right. Don't so be too taking- excited. <laughs> That's fair. All right, everyone. Thank Dane. Thank you so much for your time. Again, don't forget, jump over to Patreon. Jump over to my Patreon if you want to hear this story. I don't know what the story is. This is my favorite part of the episode. So we're going to jump there, follow us, and uh, yeah, do all the social things. Like, share, subscribe, all the things they tell you on the YouTube videos. Yeah.